today on the breakdown. Who wants to play for $150,000? Just play some poker for money, for the money. That's what's going to happen, sort of, in this cash game hand that we're going to break down from Hustler Casino Live, where, indeed, a lot of money will get in the middle. Around $150,000 worth, give or take, anyway. And it features, perhaps, most ever broke down player in history of all time, Andy Stacks. He might be. It's unclear. Uh, but he's, he's in the running against non-most broken down player of all time, Brown Baller. I mean, I don't even know. This, this shit sells itself, right? I don't have to tease anything. I'm done teasing. I'm just, let's just all have a moment where we close our eyes and we breathe. Can we do that? Can we breathe? Just, a, just one moment where we, to ourselves, for ourselves, by ourselves. Okay. Begin to find an end. Excellent. And now end to find a beginning. And we're going to do it all in the breakdown right now with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. First time, no rehearsal. Which part? The whole like uh, pseudo intellectual meditation thing you did. All of it or just the one I said begin to find an end? The, the ending part. Yeah. yeah, that was bad. I noticed you made a face. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a little cringy. I actually knew a guy who said begin to find an end. That sounds bad. It, Did uh, it make you upset every time a little bit inside? Just break you a little bit? It, let me just say it flagged something for me <laughs> internally. <laughs> like yeah. Every time he said it, I was like, huh. Yeah. But I think everyone else liked it when he said it. Yeah, because people like bullshit. I don't know, man. Maybe no one liked it. But he was a very nice guy. Good for him. His name was also Andy. Hey, maybe we should break down a hand that he played. Let's do it. So who are the candidates for yes. players who we have done the most breakdowns on? And you said Andy because I, I said before yeah, we started that I thought maybe Andy had, had taken that crown at this point. I don't know for sure. Other candidates are Garrett Edelstein. Yeah, although his run is you know truncated because he's now stopped playing televised poker. In, but we've only done how many Andy hands in the last year anyway? I mean, it feels like quite five? a few. I don't know. Anyway, Garrett's, Garrett's in the running. Yeah. Steven Chidwick, maybe. I mean, we do a lot of Chidwick hands. Oh, so, man. You don't think so? I think Negranu. We've done more Negranu hands. Maybe Negranu from um, tournament players. Yeah. Uh, Helmuth is... We have done a bunch of Helmuth hands. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Matt Berkey is sure we've done a million Matt, Matt Berkey hands. We, have, we, we haven't done a Matt Berkey hand for a long time. Though. I know. But I remember when we were having our, our mini feud with him. Yeah. He was really having a mini feud with us. We weren't really feuding. We that. should have embraced that more. I agree. He was more famous than us. We should have embraced we, that we, more. I, we're just, that's so not our, our, I know. our heart and soul. But I agree. It would have been better for us. And we should do it next time. He's found plenty of feuds since then. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. But, um, but I remember there was one point when someone was saying, like, we were obsessed with him. And I was like, what do you mean he, we're obsessed he's the with one. him? He's <laughs> yeah. the Actually, he and said that. I, no, no. But I said, I responded like I, in a tweet, like, what do you mean we're obsessed with him? To some one of the many, many, many Solver Y fanboys who were coming at us there for that week long ah, period. Yeah. And, uh, and they, like, went and found every podcast we ever did with Matt Berkey and, like, put up a photo of it as if, like, you've made so many podcasts about Berkey. And it's like, I mean, that has nothing to do with being obsessed with him. You, you, he plays weird. He plays weird. And those hands get suggested to us by our listeners. What do you want, man? And we make anywhere between 50 and 100 podcasts <laughs> yeah. a year. We've been doing this for nine years. We've made, like, so many so many podcasts. But he was in a bunch of them, I will yeah. say. It was, like, definitely double digits for I don't Berkey. think he would be in the running for most ever. Like, I don't I'm, think I, I he would might be top five. 
I would give three to one that Andy has more than him. I would too. Yeah, I would too. Anybody else come to mind? Sir? I mean, we did a lot of Tom Dwan back in the day, but it's we probably did. not enough to yeah. to eclipse the recent stuff that we've done with Andy yeah. and players like that. I mean, we had a little Adamo run, but yeah, that's not quite. I mean, Bonomo's just been around the whole time, and we've yeah. done we do a few of his every year. Maybe he sort of snuck into the. Negranu is a pretty good answer because of yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah, it's probably one of them. Helmuth is pretty good though too. We've yeah. done a bunch of Helmuth hands. Who knows? Well, let it remain a mystery forever. And the only people who could find out are really strong, enterprising listeners who not only look through all of our podcast archive that's available currently, but also somehow purchased. Our previous podcast archive that's no longer available on the internet that we lost. But even if you just did, since you know the stuff that is available, yeah, that would still be. You should. Someone should do that. Make a spreadsheet. Where does Mattis Murr rank? He is. I think we did two Mattis Murr hands yeah. in our life, and so they both in the same EPT back in like 2014. Yeah. He's not at the bottom of the list. is yeah. all I can say. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you remembered Mattis Murr. I, yeah, he's a little skinny dude, a little small dude. Anyway. Let's get fancy because this was suggested by Crispy Beaumont once again. That's well, two in a row for Crispy Beaumont. Welcome to the team. Is this where we ask him to remove his white gloves or do, do we still have him keep them on for a little bit longer? He must remain white gloving for now. White gloving, yeah. Yes. That's uh, a state. And we have a little bonus that's coming after the hand. We're going to do uh, some poker mailbag. Little which, little poker mailbag action. Yeah, Just we, a little bit. And for those who don't know, we did this once before. We opened up a channel in our Discord called Poker Mailbag. If you want to ask questions that might get read on the podcast next time we do a mailbag, uh, go ahead and find our Discord using the link in the description of this podcast and go to the Poker Mailbag section and ask your question. And if you want to ask questions or have us suggest topics that are not really appropriate for this podcast, guess what? You can do that too, also in Discord, because we have a second podcast called Just Go With It, Grant. Yep. Where we just go with whatever topic is currently on the table. It's better than this podcast, uh, but you should still listen to this one. I mean, this one is still very good. Probably yeah. the best thing you listen to. Yeah, if you don't listen to Just Go With Right, it. because this is clearly one of the best podcasts. All right. Hubris <laughs> aside. <laughs> okay. We're playing 2550. Crispy Beaumont. Crispy Beaumont suggested uh, 2550. Brown Bala, who has not appeared yet on the breakdown. Never, huh? I don't think so. Maybe, He's been at least a garbage person. Maybe as a garbage human, but never as a, a pro tag. Okay. Um, well, congratulations, Brown Bala. This you is made a it. big moment for Brown Bala. Big, big moment. Break Bra- out the champagne. Brown Bala, famously known for being Nick Airball's friend and hiding in the bathroom to talk about hands with Nick Airball when Nick Airball was doing the one-on-one with Berkey, the heads-up yeah. match with Berkey, and Nick Airball was supposed to be getting no coaching and no help from anyone else in the beginning and not talking to anyone else. Yeah. So It didn't matter. He was drawing, oh. he was drawing dead the whole time. Brown Ball, also not a pro. Right. It's not like... I don't think that really helps anyway. I mean, we've questioned some of Berkey's decisions, but Nick Airball was clearly drawing dead the whole time. I mean, you know, as long as they were deep enough and had enough time, yeah. like Berkey was always going to win all the money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Brown Bala has 69K in front of him. So okay. how many blinds is that? Let's see if you got the right, uh, right amount here. Why? Why do I have to be the guy? Um, he has... Oh, my God. He's got a lot of blinds, yeah. Grant. He has, like, almost 1,380 blinds? Yeah. woo And there's no straddle on this hand, so really? it's, like, very... Serious amount of blinds. That is really crazy. But the whole table is pretty deep. This so, is one of those. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's got aces. Okay. He's plus one. Yeah. I might have already said he was under the gun. That was a lie. He's plus one. 
Ace of spades, ace of hearts makes it 200. Cool, fine, whatever. You could open to more if the whole table is deep at 2550. If, if the average stack is like a thousand blinds, you could open to more. Yeah, as, but it's fine. Rule, but who cares? We got a garbage human named Tyler who calls from the cutoff with two fours. I don't care. We got a terrible player named Luckbox Tony who calls from the small blind with six four off. I don't care. I mean, at least they're super, super deep. If you're going to call with these kinds of hands, at least you're massively deep. But you can justify a lot more stuff. It's hard to justify six four off out of the small blind. I mean, if you think guys are going to pay you off insanely when you make the nuts, I guess you can start to justify putting in four blinds with almost you know with anything that can make straights. I guess. Stuff. But I anyway, guess. moving on. Andy's in the big blind. Here we go. He's the main attraction. Here it is. He's Andy Stacks Poker on Andy Twitter. Stacks. <laughs> LOL. He has 123K. He's got Brambala covered by a significant amount. Okay. He's got two queens. Uh-oh, Andy. Time yeah. to lose 1,300 blinds, huh? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he three bets to 1,375. Okay. Feels like good sizing. I like it. Uh, you could go bigger even, but this seems big enough. You know? Yeah. Queen of hearts, queen of clubs. Do you ever flat as Brown Bala here, or is the stack depth just too enticing to try to make sure that you can get a full double in cooler situations? I think there's multiple reasons not to flat ever here. Um, the first thing is what you said. We are way too deep to consider flatting, I think, yeah. essentially. Um, we just need to put more money in right now. Um, Andy is almost never folding because we're so deep, by the way, even if he's, unless he's really fucking around. Right. Like Maybe all folds. his 710 suited, I think Andy's, Andy's the type yeah. guy who's calling all that stuff. Yeah, you know? maybe if he has like jack nine off or something, you'll fold. Maybe, it. but I don't know if he's four. I don't know if he's three betting that anyway. But whatever, I think that's reason number one. Reason number two is there's two guys who've called them between us who are absolutely calling if we don't put in a four bet. Yeah, we cannot see. We can't be this deep and see a flop four ways with aces if we if we have the opportunity to prevent it and we do. Yep. Uh, Brown Bala goes to forty two hundred. I like his sizing too. I think we can go even bigger. I do too, but I think this is fine. Okay. Do you ever five bet as Andy, or is this just a pure call? Now that we've got, I assume everyone folded in yeah, between. Of course. Yeah. Um, I think we should only be calling here because the thing you don't want to do is five bet and be forced to fold or five bet and put in so much money you're now committed against a range that has often got you dead uh, near, or nearly dead. You know, I think, I think it's a pretty clear call of the four bet here. I think only. typically it is. We are very deep, so I could justify a five bet against certain super face-up players who are always going to six bet with aces and kings. Um, it, oh, okay. If we, if we think we can get perfect information. Well, okay, I hear that, and that's, int- that's not crazy. The other side of it is, though, now we, don't, now we never get to flop a set against those guys and have them yeah, pay us off that's either, true. where we get to keep that alive at least. Now, yeah, we we are we're usually enough, not going to flop a set, of course. But that's true that we are deep enough to set mine. So if we had right. deuces, like if we had deuces, it's the same situation. The, the difference is that queens can win unimproved yes. against even the four betting range a little bit. Yeah, Ace-King so ace can absolutely be there. Ace-King, right? jacks, you know, hands like that. Yeah, and may, maybe some other stuff too. Maybe, maybe ace-three suited, stuff may, like maybe that. Maybe ace-queen, you know. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, Andy does flat. Okay. Reasonable. Pot, 8,850. Okay. Flop, queen-jack-six, two diamonds. Andy, Andy, Andy. Some days it's just easy. That's the Andy alarm. It goes, Andy, Oh, that's Andy, what you're Andy. doing. Yeah, when, when Andy flops the nuts, that always happens. Unfortunately for him, it happens at the table. Yeah. It sucks. It's weird because Brown Bala doesn't immediately like throw his hand away. <laughs> yeah, he's not. I guess him. you shouldn't throw your hand away. You're drawing the two outs, right? You can set mine yourself now. That's what you should do as soon as you hear the Andy, Andy, Andy. All right. I, before we go further, I want to tell a quick story. Oh, please. Because it, it relates to the Andy, Andy, Andy thing I just made up. Um, there is a player, I'm not going to say who it is, who played on Poker Time a lot, who 
Why won't you say who it is? Okay, his wheel. Yeah, everyone uh, knows. Yeah, he played on Poker Time a lot, and I play with him in Portland, and you play with him in Portland. I just was at a final table of a tournament in Portland with him, reasonably big for Portland final yeah, table. for sure. Um, wheel has a thing where if he always wears a hoodie when he plays poker, and he tells the whole table, so this isn't like revealing information that shouldn't right. be revealed. He tells everybody that if he puts his hood up, it means he has aces, like, and he's never lied about that. He doesn't always put his hood up when he has aces, right. but... If he puts his hood up, he has aces for sure. It's yeah. not a, it's not a different hand, and he did it at the final table. He did really? it. Yeah, he and actually he, and he really had aces. Yeah, he did. Unbelievable. Yeah. And did he announce to the final table? He did not. Point? No. Okay. Only like I knew, and I think um, one or other two other people knew. Boy, that's even that's crazy. Yeah, man. yeah. That's... He actually did it at the final table. It was like you know pretty high high leverage financial moment. <laughs> I mean, not probably not for wheel. Probably not for wheel. Yeah, but from a poker perspective, from a po- po- Portland poker tournament perspective, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure, one of the biggest. Yeah, um, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, that that he really does that. Yeah, to any degree. But he does at least not always put the hood on when he has it. Thank aces. goodness. But that I really can't believe he did it at the final table. Yeah, I really can't believe it. Like if he's doing it at one two, okay, fine. Right. Like, but when you start to play bigger stakes, you're just like cutting into your own EV so much. Yeah, like giving having, that away to a few people. He's just having fun, right? And he know? doesn't care. Yeah. I think I think it's that he doesn't care. The money isn't a big deal to him, so he does, so whatever. But it is. It should be like, really, if he's doing this right, it should be. He should say, 80% of the time when I put on my hood, I have aces, and 20% of the time, I don't. That's what he should. So that way, if he's announcing it, it's not automatic, at least. So like, you have to think about it. At That's least. not what he's going for. I know. I yeah. know. Uh, also, I think he also said afterwards that like he, he was, you know, didn't want him to get cracked. So I think there's probably a lot of truth uh, to that for a lot of people who aren't like tournament pros. When they get deep in a tournament, they really are afraid of, of any hand losing an all-in situation when the high leverage spots are there. So... so but but he puts up it. But he didn't say, "Hey, I have no. He didn't like move all in pre-flop, right? right? Which is another way to make sure, or essentially. Actually, I think he might have moved all in because it might have been a three-bet shove. Oh, okay, but yeah. it was like a normal size yeah, three-bet yeah. shove. It was yeah. normal. What did he get called by? He didn't get called. Oh, but he showed the yeah. aces. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, he put the hood up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did it, as soon as he put the hood up, are you like, oh my god, yeah. he's really doing this? Yeah. He has to have it. Yeah. Then we had a, a discussion at the table about how annoying it would be if I opened under the gun with kings and then we'll put his hood up and shoved, <laughs> and how I would, I would actually fold. <laughs> And I would. Yeah. Like, how could you not? He's told the truth every I time. I mean, isn't Wheel supposed to, the next time you open and he has one ace in his hand, put the hood up and do it? He's yeah. supposed to, but he's never going to do yeah. it, is the thing. I would so. absolutely fold. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Anyway, here we are. Okay. There was no Andy alarm. I lied about that. That was fiction. Oh. That was fiction. Oh, I didn't watch the video, so I believed you. The Wheel story is real. This is fiction. Okay. So Andy has flopped the nuts with a pair of queens on queen jack six with two diamonds. Brown Bala has no diamond in his hand, so his hope is minimal with his two aces. I mean, we can go running, running straight. Yeah, or an ace. That's all it yeah, takes. That's all it takes. It's not that much, really. We would, were very, very Would you much ever lead here as Andy? Um, I think I would mostly not lead here um, because I expect we're getting a lot of C-bets here, like... If we think about the range that was four betting us, we were saying aces, kings, ace, queen, maybe. Um, okay, the, the occasional ace three suited, which would probably see bet anyway. Um, jacks, like, isn't kind of that entire range see betting this board? I think so. I think it's reasonable to lead. Uh, and I'm saying this because Andy does lead. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah, but I think it is actually reasonable because of the depth of stack. Bec- not only the depth of stack, because I think the depth of stack would, would really demand a check raise if you could get one in. Absolutely. Um, 
I think it's because when we're at this stack depth and there's been already a four bet preflop, if I am in Brown Ballas yeah. with aces, this is the type of board I might check back. Against Andy, though, that's the thing. Like, against a lot of players, I agree with you. Andy is so, going to be so much wider than other players here that I'm just not sure if that's a profitable move to I actually check I think it's quite possible here. that you're overestimating how wide he is within, like, a three-bet out of the big blind call four-bet spot. Maybe you're right. Let's forget the Andy wideness just for a second sure. for the sake of the analysis. Like, any, any card with two or more Broadway cards on it is a board definitely to check back in a spot like this. I think when we're this deep, I yeah. think I agree. Like we just like, we want to get two bets in here yeah. by the, by showdown. That's what right. we're looking for. We want the deuce, deuce, deuce board. We don't want the King Jack four board or the Queen Jack six. board. And honestly, not having the ace of diamonds makes me a little more inclined to pot control because that hand ace of diamonds, X of diamonds could attack us. Yeah. And if we're going to make folds against that, against the aggression either now or later in the hand, probably not immediately on the flop. But as the as things get very expensive down the road, because you know, because it's like sets and top two and also the ace ten of diamonds and things like that, you know, like if we're going to make some folds there, like I just prefer checking back and going call call. You know, that seems easier. Yep. So so so, uh, so, so your point is, if that's the mindset, then leading makes sense as Andy, right? Right. So I like it with that in mind. Mm-hmm. And Andy does lead, and he leads big, which I like, too. Oh, really? 6,188.50. Yeah, I like that, too. I mean, it's a wet board. Right. So he's basically saying, like, if you have aces or kings, I know you're going to call, so yeah. I might as well put in this much money, right? Yeah. And maybe he's also concerned. Let's go even a step further. If we were to check raise as Andy, which is what I was, why I think he should... Why I was saying he should check really is because he's Andy. So like the check raise is going to get less credit um, for being value and it's a wet board. So that's a pretty good combination for Andy when he's got the nuts, right? Yeah. Um, but if they're so deep that Brown Ball might just decide to exit the hand anyway, even with like, I don't know if he can really fold aces right now. That feels like kind of impossible against Andy on this board. Yeah. For I mean, one Andy raise. could have a draw. Um, but if we think he's going to exit on the turn, let's say even, then like we get more by going bet 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 yeah. than we do by check raise and then he folds the yeah. turn. Yeah. So I like it actually. Okay. And he leads for sixty one hundred. You cannot fold as as Bala yet. We never would consider folding. So, I think it's a very clear call. So he makes the call. We're, we think we're ahead a lot, by the way, but we know we're not always ahead, and we don't want to fold out the stuff we're beating, and we don't want to put more money against the stuff we're losing. It's an easy call. So Brown Bala calls. Yeah. And you're gonna have to call Steve Irwin's kids. Because there's going to be so many alligators in your house after you sign up for Nitro Betting. And that's because of the new Alligators All the Time promotion from Nitro Betting. Yeah. It's brand new. Yeah. We're really excited about it. If you play on Nitrogen, I'm sorry, Nitro Betting, it's not Nitrogen anymore. If you play on Nitro Betting at all, even one hand of poker or one, a $1 sports bet or a $1 casino game play, they will send you a full, what will eventually become a full-grown nest of alligators. And it will be illegal to get rid of them yeah. because of the scarcity of the alligators right. and the environmental impact of, of destroying these alligators. They're an endangered species. So you're going to have know. to call the Irwins is what I'm saying yeah. because they know what to do. Wow. They know how to handle it. You did that. Yeah. Yeah. So use the link in the description <laughs> when you sign up for Nitro Betting to get your alligators, to get whatever other bonuses Nitro Betting throws at you for being a Poker Guys person. You get poker, you get casino games, you get sports betting. We're in the heart of the NFL season. Yeah. Put some DGen money out there. It's fun to bet Let's on see the who games. Wins. Is it you? Is it is it is it gonna be Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes winning all the time? Or maybe you could win a little bit too, huh? Hey. How about a little bit for Jim from Ohio? You know, how about Jim? a little bit? I bet last weekend on Nitro Betting, I bet 
$300, actually $350 on the Ravens and Lamar Jackson to win. You know what? They won. And guess what? I cashed. He got a little skin in the game. Yeah. Get uh, your alligator skin in the alligator game on alligator nice. nitro betting. It's going to be a problem, the amount of alligators that you receive. And a, some of them will be babies, and you'll be like, those yeah. ones are not currently threatening, but I do know down the line I'm going to have to think about them. Some, some tips for handling your alligators before yeah. we move on. Um, one, keep them fed. Very important. Yeah, even if it's your hand, you, you have to. It's better than the meeting your torso, right? So like, Or your loved ones. Right. Um, surprisingly, alligators will eat alligator babes. So you can feed them their own species, they will absolutely eat them. Yeah, but then you're a monster, and you have to live with yourself. And you, you couldn't, but I'm just saying in a real pinch, you could consider it. You could consider becoming a monster. <laughs> you're like, my child or their child? I could never feed. I could never make this alligator cannibal. <laughs> Making this alligator cannibal is wrong. Of course. Yeah. Back to the hand. Right, right, of course. There's $21,000 in the pot. Yeah. Queen of diamonds, jack of diamonds, six of clubs, flop. Andy has a set of queens. Brown Bala has two aces with no diamond. The turn is the deuce of clubs. Safe. Second club, extremely safe. Andy is never losing. He still has the nuts. I mean, this is such a good card. All the draws miss. There's no way we're not going to... If there's an overpair out there, it's calling. Yep. 100% of the time. Yep. It has to call. And ace king, depending on how deep we are, and I don't, th- I don't know if ace king's going to be able to call at this point um, if we bet a real amount, which we should. But like the over, like aces and kings can't fold on this card. Yeah. It's beautiful. You know, we're actually in a spot, a rare spot, where a set of queens could be the nuts at the end of the hand. It almost yeah. never happens. It's the worst possible nuts is a set of queens. Like a seven of hearts. It has to be. It. it has to be a seven of non-clubs yeah. or, or diamonds. There's, there's, so there's two, two outs. outs. There's two outs for a set of queens to be the nuts. I mean, I guess a queen would make it still. Oh, right. It would no longer be a set. But yeah, sure. so there's three out, but there's three outs to our hand remaining the nuts. Yeah, but I don't care about our hand remaining the nuts. I care about the rare event of a set of queens being the nuts on the river. Mm. And actually somebody okay. having that set. I actually saw that once. It was pretty cool. It's interesting That's stuff. Great stuff, man. Did you know that? No, Poker it was a guys good story. Like, that, was, that was as good as the wheel aces yeah, story. of course. Poker Guys listeners, did you know that a set of queens is the worst nuts that there can be on the river and hold them? Now you do. Congratulations. Wow. It's been worth listening to everything. The more you know. Yeah. All right. Deuce of clubs on the turn. As Andy, we've begun this path, right? And we just want to try to get all of Brown Ball's money if we can, hoping he has aces or kings. Yeah. Or if we're extremely lucky, a set of jacks. I mean, well, if it's a set of jacks, we're getting it. Yeah. It's probably going in on the turn if it's a set of jacks. I think it is. So... But we should bet big either way because all three of those hands, aces, kings, and jacks, are always calling. Right. right? And he bets 20K into 21. There you go. That's big. And what is that going to leave Brown Baller with? 38K. So that's going to be no problem getting in on the river if a safe card comes. Yep. Okay, great. So, that's I mean, are we considering folding yet as Brown Baller with aces? No. We hate it and we call. If we have the diamond in our hand, are we considering folding? I mean, we can consider it, but I don't think we can really fold. Can we? Can think we about. Really I, fold? Just, I didn't want to make this too long because we're going to do the, the Q and A, but I really got to ask again because I, I want to explore deeply. If we have aces with the ace of diamonds as brown bala, can we call? Because right, well, I've already answered that. Yeah. So why don't you answer it? Since I already know what my answer is. I I think we can consider folding for sure. We okay. When you say consider folding. 
how, like how much are you folding your non your your aces with the ace of diamonds? Well, let me here. do a little analysis before answering. That okay, and find out if I get anywhere. Great, because Andy, I think, I think Andy is going to play sets of queens and sets of jacks like this. I do too. Apparently. And I also think he's going to play flush draws like this. Me too, and straight um, draws. Which straight draws? King ten. Yeah, nine, he. 10 I mean, suited. he three bet and called a four bet. It's not. It's not. Once likely. he three bets those things, he's calling the four bet. He's yeah. deep enough, right? Yeah. He's Andy. He's really shown up with stuff. And I know you're saying blah, blah, blah. But it's like he really... We have to be open to that. He can have King-10 All right. How many here. combos of King-10 and 9-10 suited are you giving him? Oh, that's a good question. Not many. Not many. Maybe two total. Yeah. Probably. Instead of, of, of the eight possible. So, like 25%. So it's a pot-sized bet. So if we're either against those or a set... Um, well, wait a second. What about all the other flush draws? You're just eliminating all their possible flush draws? So you're okay. You're saying like six, six, seven, and seven, eight, and eight, nine. Possible all other king X of diamonds. Yeah, I, I just don't really believe that Andy has that much of that when Brown Bala opens plus one. I haven't seen Andy play much since he's come back. You know, like he was playing all the time, and then he sort of stopped for a while, like around I think even before the Garrett Robbie incident. Yeah, and then he came back and started to play again. So. In the old days, he absolutely would have all of these things. I don't know if he still really does. Okay. Well, if he does, then of course you have to call. Yeah. Against a non-Andy, great. I think you can really consider folding if I, you have the Ace of Diamonds in your hand. I think that's true against a non-Andy. You're like, boy, he shouldn't really have King Ten. He really shouldn't have. He shouldn't have any flush draw. Yeah. Here. So what am I beating now? I'm beating like a weirdly played Ace Queen that is overplaying itself. So if this guy doesn't know what he's doing, fine. But otherwise, that's. You know, I'm losing, right? Because he never has ace yeah. queen. He shouldn't have ace queen here, right? Also, we block ace queen, of course. Um, what else are we even beating, right? So in this moment, Andy is experiencing the value of being Andy, right? Yeah. Because players like you would call Andy and maybe not other players with aces with the ace of diamonds. Right. I mean, yeah. imagine Mariano, who we've seen five bet king ten suited. Yeah. Right? So Mariano is totally capable of having a bunch of stuff here. Yeah. Right? When we're this deep, especially, for sure. Yes, for sure. We just can't fold aces here against Mariano. I agree. Okay, great. I agree. Yeah, I think Andy is less likely to put in multiple bets uh, pre-flop with weird hands than Mariano. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, that's my perception. I okay. might be wrong. I don't watch like all Me of either. the Hellstar Casino Live or anything. Fair enough. Um, anyway, Bala calls Andy's 20K mm -hmm. bet. There's 61K in the pot. That feels like the inflection point, by the way. You think right. you can't fold now on the river? I think there's a few death cards we can consider folding to, but essentially we can't fold. Right, like what? What cards can we fold to? The King of Diamonds. If the King of Diamonds shows up, are we really going to call? I mean, any diamond, really, right? All diamonds are bad. The King of Diamonds feels worse. How can to we? Me. How can we call on a diamond based on the analysis that we just did? Um. Well, we can beat some of the straight draws. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much there. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um. Okay, so all diamonds are bad. The queen pairing isn't amazing, but I guess it depends on how we look at it. If we think Andy's never leading ace-queen, then the queen then the queen pairing's great. I don't really think Andy's going to... I don't think if, he is If either. he leads ace-queen, he's not going to bet 20K in the tournament. I don't think he's queen. leading ace-queen anyway. Yeah. Uh, so so I don't think... That, so actually, a queen is probably not a bad card for us. Queen's probably a good card for us. Yeah. Okay. So we're folding the diamonds, and we're calling kind of everything else? Yeah. I think we are. Yeah. Okay. That seems like a very reasonable plan. River is a seven of clubs. Hey, Andy did it. He, he <laughs> no, he didn't. It's a third club. Son of bitch. Nope, didn't do it. All he right, failed. Fine. fine. By the way, that's another thing we didn't talk about. It's unlikely, but let's say Andy had ace king of clubs, which he could have. We do not have the ace of clubs. We do hand. have the ace of clubs in our hand. 
We have the Ace of Spades oh, and the Ace of Hearts we, in our hand. We have the Ace of Spades and the Ace of Hearts. You're yep. right. I know. Let me double check that because I could have sworn oh, you had really? the Ace of Clubs. I'm okay. going to have to double check that real quick. Like, it feels like it matters. It does bit. feel like it matters a little bit at least. At least a tiny bit. Not much, admittedly. But I can come up with a scenario where he's got Ace, King of Clubs if he can actually have Ace, King of Clubs. You know what I'm saying? That would be... I'm just going to talk while you're going. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, it's correct. He has no, no club. Okay. So this feels very unlikely. I'm not going to lie. But... If Andy's leading sets here and stuff like that, maybe he sometimes is leading the overs with the gut shot to the straight and the backdoor nut club draw also. Maybe once in a while. And if he picks up clubs on the turn, he's definitely continuing 100% of the time. Yeah. Right? And then he gets there on the river. So this club is not great, by the way. If when the club comes, that's an, it's not very often that it's going to be a problem, but it's like one more thing got there if, yep. if he can have it. You know, It's so not and, often, admittedly. So Andy moves in for 38K. Yeah, of course. So just... Easy, breezy call. It wasn't a diamond, I think we have to call. If we call the turn, we're calling the river, right? Yeah. On this card, this is a, this is like a good card. It's not a non-club, but it's still a good card. It feels like we're never winning. It just kind of feels that way. Although I know against a player like Andy, I think we do have to call. I mean, he's giving us such a good price when he really didn't have to do that, right? He could have... Andy and other players of his ilk absolutely overbet the turn. Rather than betting 21K, they bet 40K on the turn or just go yeah. all in on the turn now, right? He didn't do any of that. He bet 20 to 21, which is big, but not as big as it used to be. And it sets up this very incredibly you know, pot odds friendly call for brown ball on the river. That sucks, but I still think we do have to call. So you think it's a profitable call over, overall? <sighs> I mean, the question is this, right? Is Andy going to triple barrel Miss Diamonds? That's the question. Because if he isn't, it can't be a profitable call. Yeah. He has to actually continue on the river. Maybe, maybe this is one where like we can't call with the ace of diamonds in our hand on the yeah, river now, but we can right. we can call with without the ace of diamonds. I mean, that sounds right. To yeah. Me. Um, yeah. I mean, the problem is this: is Andy really leading flush draws? I'm not sure he is. I know he's supposed to if he's leading sets. Yeah. I'd be concerned he's either check calling or check raising flush draws mostly. So he always has a set. I don't know if he has very many flush draws on this line. And then betting, and then betting, I know it's not actually small, it's almost pot, but it's not pot and a half. It's not 2x pot like a lot of people do on the turn once they've begun taking control of the pot, you know. Um, people really bet big on the turn now. Him choosing not to, to set up this river shove on what is effectively a brick. I mean, again, it's a club. I guess he could have clubs a little bit, but mostly a brick. I don't know if, does he actually have diamonds with this line ever? This is my concern. I we don't have a diamond though, and we have aces. I think it's a good concern. And if, if like, all what right, are let's we talk, calling with if we don't call? Let's with talk this. about our range then. Okay, great. All right, because we have a four betting range, obviously that includes right. a lot of things. It includes some clubs. Um, I think we have ace, yeah. king, ace king of clubs in we our do. range. We a hundred percent. And, and do. I think we might have ace ten of clubs. I'm not sure if that's a four bet or not ever. I'm guessing it's not mostly because we don't really mind the two other players coming in if when we have ace ace of queen of clubs. of clubs. We could at least have that. That's possible. And you know, maybe even with ace ten of clubs, we're like, you know what? I'm just going to isolate Andy rather than let these other two guys come in. I have position. I'm just going to do That gives it. us some ace, 10 of clubs, and some ace, jack of clubs okay. then also. So, yeah. so those are obvious calls. All of our... Well, yeah, the nuts. Yeah. yeah all of our nuts are we obvious calls. We should definitely calls. call this. So there's at least a few combos of that. I'm not sure if a set of queens is in our range anymore. We might have just shoved the turn when Andy bets 20K. Uh, yeah, I think we probably do. When we only have 38 back yeah. and it's a wet board and... He looks like he's interested. I think that's true. Probably sets of queens and sets of jacks, yeah. right? Yes, I do think that. Okay. So we have a few combos of clubs so far, and... 
And then the we, next hand is aces, basically. Because we never have bottom set on that flop, right? No. Which is what? What's bottom set would be uh, a six. So we don't have, we don't have six six. We just call Andy's three bet with sixes almost almost 100% of the time, right? We would rather have ace queen with no diamond than aces with a diamond, right? Um, yes. Yes. It, I guess there's a tiny chance Andy has kings once in a while. Yeah. But so, so be it. You know, right. Like, good for him. Uh, yeah, I think we'd much rather have uh, no diamonds. Would we rather have ace-queen with no diamonds or the hand we have? Aces with no diamond. Interesting question. Ace-queen blocks queen-queen, yeah. but it, of course, also blocks ace-queen, which I don't think Andy's taking this no, line with, on, I admit. He's, he's not. I'm trying to come up with stuff here. He's not. Well, if we think that's really true, then we'd rather have ace-queen, right? We'd, ace, rather, we'd rather block a set of queens, Ace-queen right? with the ace of clubs is maybe the next hand after actual nuts, right? That we want to have? Yeah, for calling. Right, because we block that, we unblock the other thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And we block top set. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and we don't have sets in our range, really. So doesn't seem like we do. So aces aren't that far down. No, aces with the ace of clubs, which we don't have, would be next. And then... Aces without the ace of clubs, but also without the ace of diamonds, which is just this hand. Ace of spades, ace of hearts. That's that's next. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this though. We're, we've been doing what's above our aces. What's below our aces that ta- that calls turn with this much back after we four bet pre kings and uh, I think a- this, this particular combo of aces is ahead of ace queen with the ace of diamonds. Okay, I think. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Not having a diamond is super sweet yeah. in this spot. Yeah, so there's a few things, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not that much below us either is what I'm getting at. Like, there's king-king. Yeah. There might be some ace-queen. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. So we're not like... It, so, like, when you say only the hands that are above us, when we did that, it's like, yeah. oh, there aren't that many hands. But there aren't that many hands below us either. We're like somewhere in the middle of our distribution. Yeah, we are. Right? We are getting a fabulous price if we're in the middle of our distribution. I'll say that. And we don't have a diamond, which really helps, right? Yeah. But, like, it's 38 to win what? To win 100, basically. It would be a lot better if we had a club. Yes. You could make an argument if you want to tighten the calling range because you just think that Andy is value heavy, that you need to have the ace of clubs in your hand to make any of these calls, aces or ace queen. Interesting. It's, huh. Um, but that is it now supposing that that means Andy has to have been leading with clubs on the flop after we four bet. And there's only one club on the flop. There's just what club combos are doing that. I made the case for maybe ace king of clubs. Yeah, ace king of clubs. That's the one combo, yeah. right? Probably. Yeah. yeah. So having a club isn't that big a deal, right? It it's knocks not. out one combo. It's not a huge deal. No. Compared to having a diamond. Yeah, the diamond or, is or, a much or worse. Or not having a diamond, yeah. right? Having a diamond is a much worse thing yes. than having a club is a good thing. Right. We kill most of his bluffs when we have the ace of diamonds. Having the ace of clubs kills one of his value combos. Yeah. So okay. So. So the ace of clubs is is a little is nice to have, but doesn't feel vital to me compared to not having the ace of diamonds, which does feel vital. Probably just have to call with this hand against Andy. I think we do. I think if we can fold, if we have a diamond, but we don't. So yeah, I mean, I think Andy's been doing this, hoping Bala has exactly what he has. Right? He's like, yeah, cool. You four bet me when we're this deep. You probably have a real hand. And oh my God, look what happened. Yeah, I'm gonna get it all, and I'm gonna make sure I get it all. I'm not gonna let you pot control. I'm not gonna let you do anything weird. Here we go. So yeah, Bala does call. I think this was well played by Andy. Me too. I like how he did it. Me too. Uh, it had been interesting to see what Andy did on a diamond river if he... 
I mean, it depends on which diamond, of course, but let's say it's a non-Broadway diamond river, right? So that way, Ace King of Diamonds can get there. Can I think there. he's going to shove anyway because... like, why not? Yeah, you're, you're not going to check fold, are you? No. You don't want it to go check, check. We, we can't ever fold. Check, check seems like a disaster, yeah. right? We have to give him a chance to bluff catch with whatever the hell yeah. he has. Like, maybe he has the Ace of Diamonds in his hand. If yeah. he has Aces with the Ace of Diamonds... Or even Ace-King with the Ace of Diamonds. No, he probably would never have called the turn with Ace-King with the Ace of Diamonds. But Aces with the Ace of yeah. Diamonds. Maybe Kings with the King of Diamonds. Yeah, right? I think we'd have to shove. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's how Andy made uh, 70K. Sounds good to me, man. Let's get to some mailbag. Mail time! You're doing the pardon the interruption thing? I think I am. Yeah, I think you did it last time we did this also. Really? Yeah. More mail! They do that too. Yeah. So this <laughs> is, uh, is going to be from Discord. Okay. Uh, I think we've maybe gotten some questions on Twitter, but I, I don't know where they are, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give a croissant on Discord to everybody whose question gets read so we know it's already been read. That is so smart. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so I'm giving Skjolder a croissant right now for his question. Okay. He's, he's proposing a, uh, a scenario. Okay. You okay there, Lovey? You're looking a little confused. I am totally fine. Okay. I'm totally fine. You, are you listening? I am. Okay, you look like in a distant world. I'm with you. Okay. You weren't expecting to play today and have 500 in your pocket. Are you buying in short at the 2.5 with a 1K max buy, buying in for the max at 1.3, or buying in short at 1.3? Ah, that's a good question. Assuming we were like here and we're, let's pretend it's like an hour drive, so like it was a whole thing, like it's, it's really disappointing. Yeah. Um, I'm buying in at the the cheapest game possible, meaning the one three game, and I'm buying, I think I'm buying in short at one three. Okay, give myself like the most chances to like turn this into something. You know, like one bad beat and I'm just out. That doesn't sound like a good plan if I'm here. If I want to be here for hours, if you're if you're there for entertainment purposes, especially like you're, you you got to spend some time here right. to like you know because you your friend is not going to be available for six hours or whatever. That seems like a, yeah. But if I'm here just like playing like. If, if leaving isn't a big deal, if I'm like, oh, I'll just go see a movie, I don't care, then I would probably play the, the max buy-in, you know, so yeah. that way I can, like, have it go the best, you know, like, to basically leverage my advantage, because the deeper, the better in most cases, right? All right, what if you, for your, your flight got delayed for two and a half hours, and you're just driving by the poker club, so it's two and a half hours till your flight. Right. Yeah. I would probably do the, the short buy-in at 1-3, because, you know... That shit can be over in one hand. Like, give yourself a second bullet, basically. I'm trying to give myself two bullets there. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me. I, I think the, like, poker player in me would be like, I will, I'm just going to take know. my 100 blinds and 2-5 and see if I can turn I it into something. I think you might do that. Yeah. yeah. Knowing, knowing what I know about you. Which, what do you mean by that? You've got, got a lot of gamble in you, sir. Oh, yeah, I sure do. <laughs> 100 blinds isn't so bad. You can, you can do something with 100 blinds in a cash game. You can, but you can also lose it in a blink of an eye, right? Yeah. You flop a set and you're done. You flop well, the flush draw and overs and you're just out, well, right? Well, luckily for me, I drink, unlike you. So exactly. I can just go to the airport and start drinking then, and that's fine. That the seems like is, a fine result to me. It was more of a thing before phones were a big part of our lives. But now that we have these like incredible internet devices where we can watch video and... You know, it's endless content. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's spending, wait, you know, having some time to kill isn't as big a deal as it used to be. So let's, let's change up the scenario that we kind of added, because we added to it, right? We did. Where it's not like there's just time to kill, but you, right. for some other reason, happen to be at a poker club, and you're like, oh, you know what, I want to play. Yeah. And you could either leave or stay whenever you want, and it's fine, and you're close enough to home, and you just have $500. How are you going to spend it then? I mean, I'm going to continue to, unless if I'm, 
I think I would mostly do what I was saying anyway. Like if I have $500, yeah, I'd, I'd do the like short buying at one three and give myself two bullets. All right. I, th- I think I might just do the 500. Yeah. In, in the I mean, that's not unreasonable. Uh, Skjolder has a follow-up. Uh, As if he knew what we were going to say. <laughs> You're at a venue you've never played before, not a home game. Do you choose to advertise in the sense of deliberately making and showing minus EV decisions? I mean... You're going to have to be playing pretty high stakes for that to be worth anything. Yeah. Man. Like, don't do that at 1-3 and probably don't do that at 2-5 or 5-5. Five, five. They, they don't know what's going on anyway. Like, they're not going to notice it enough or remember or connect you with it. You know, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, there was that cool bluff that happened that time. But mostly, right? There might be two players who notice. But is that worth it? I would say not. I would say if, you, if it's early on, rather than advertise, which implies that you are um, going out of your way to make, like, worse decisions you know you're like you're you're bluffing despite you don't really think you should be because when you get called you can turn your hand over that sounds like a terrible idea but when you're bluffing if it's early on and it's you know if, if it's going to make you look a little crazy but it's part of your normal strategy that's not the worst idea i would never show honestly if it was yeah. me but i think it's okay to do it in that scenario i think that would be a reasonable scenario to do it at least what do you think i agree yeah i knew you were going to agree with that how can you not agree with that it's so right on all right, next question. Okay. This is from Chris Jones, who Jonathan despises. <laughs> but I'll, we'll, we'll listen to the question. It's from right the away. Minnesota tribe mm. that we are, uh, you know, our, our Oregon folk and the Minnesota folk, we're at war constantly. Thank it's, God there are all the states in between yeah, us. Yeah, otherwise the bloodshed would be unbelievable. And honestly, when, when the meeting of all families happened at the World Series of Poker, it is lucky that there was not more carnage. It is, yeah. I don't know what happened. There must have been the oxygen that they pump in the casino or something. I think someone said the 888 is, uh, cards are in the air for the 888, and everyone just like, we got to go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, Chris Jones says, you've both described experience in Portland's cash scene with playing new variants, like Dramaha, Double Board, PLO, and et cetera. What are some tips when you're at a game of a variant uh, and a variant that you've never played gets introduced? What is your approach in thinking through a new game and coming up with your best strategy on the fly? Great question. Grant, I've been answering all these first, and I'm going to let you answer, begin to answer this one, and then I'll come in. All right. The very first thing I will do is be tight. Like I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna start off real tight and, yeah. and get get a feel for the game a little bit. Like I don't want to just start getting involved, and I'm not gonna assume that the first couple people who win pots are doing it correctly either, right? Like if if somebody wins with like three nines in their hand and Dramaha or whatever, and in a, a 500 big blind pot, I'm not gonna automatically assume. Oh, I should always like go with three nines. I'm gonna have to like wait a little bit more, figure out like try my best to figure out how easy it is to get the nuts because that's a very yes. in all these mixed games a huge important factor is how easy is it to get the nuts like do you need to be nut pedaling because in double board uh, plo with five cards you need to be nut pedaling on each board and the nut straight isn't actually that good because you're getting quartered a lot so how how easy is it to get the nuts uh stay tight and <laughs> from there like slowly loosen up is, okay. is how i would do it uh, i've had the opportunity uh to be playing and get introduced to games on the fly, like fairly regularly. Recently. Lemon squeezy. That's the one that like one of our, one of the players in our game was like, new game, lemon squeezy. None of us ever heard of it. And he explained it to us. And it's complicated enough that I, we all need him to explain it multiple times and like play several hands before I was like, oh, I'm starting to see where the problems are with this game and what, yeah. the, what the things are. So one of the things for me, I 100% agree with Grant playing tight is probably the most important thing with a new game. Like, 
be sure of yourself. It's okay to miss out on a quote big pot early, you know, because what you're mostly going to be doing is if, if someone else understands the game and you don't, you're giving them money. Even if you don't actually, even if they don't win this pot, when you're putting money in badly, they're making money off you, right? So yeah. like try and avoid that until you understand the game better. The way I'm trying to understand these games usually early on is what are the common places where people are going to make big mistakes? You know, are people going to overvalue certain things? Or are people going to undervalue certain things? Like we play a game called Tomaha, yeah. which people struggle with in the beginning because it's, it's the opposite of Omaha where you play three cards from your five-card hand and two cards from the board, and you have to play that many. So like you can't see a full house anymore because if the board is paired on the community board, it doesn't mean anyone has a full house. It's only if you have a pair in your hand can you have, possibly have a full house. And so really, people really struggle with that for a while, right? People overvalue nut, uh, straights excuse me, and flushes when they're new. To the right. Game, right. They have the nut straight and they think I've had people put in a lot of money with the nut straight and I'm like, well, I have top full house. And they're like, they don't even realize, they think they have the nuts. Right. Um, so like trying to figure out where are people going to make the biggest mistakes, the biggest leaks. And maybe you notice yourself like thinking that direction is like, oh, I see. And then you start to look for who's going to make those kinds of mistakes and like attack that rather than even trying to win the whole game, you know, like trying to understand it all, like trying to figure out some obvious leak, leaky places first. I have something that maybe a, Jonathan might not want me to say. Uh-oh. It. Should I not say Don't it? Don't say it. Oh, it's it's not that bad. Okay, I'll say it. If if there's ever a game, and I'm not going to say specifics, but if there's ever a game where it's a split pot game and half of the pot goes somewhere and oh. half of the pot goes somewhere else, based on one half being more static value and one half being oh, more dynamic Jesus. value. You're say this. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Wow. Go for the static value. Yeah. I'm not going to explain what I mean, because so that's enough. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is, that's, wow. I can't even believe you said that. Okay, but absolutely, yeah. That's, a, that's a big giveaway. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, the whole world should be upset with me for saying that. I'm upset with you. Yeah. But I, not, but I thought it was going to be worse. I actually thought you were going to say something even worse than that. No, I'm not going to say what the worst thing. Great. Yeah. Let's just move on. Okay, anything else with this, though? Um, new variant. Um, I think the other thing is, uh, sometimes, it, like, with new games, people, like, misread stuff more because... It just it's a new way to think about what what value is and also what your hand even is. Like people misread their hands a lot more. So just trying to make sure you don't do things like that, really, really important. That sounds elementary in some ways, but it's a common mistake. You know, even when you've been playing these games a lot, if you're switching up the games every orbit, like I would say when I play once a night, I'll like get the game wrong in my head, you know? And once in a while it costs me money because I actually think I have a big hand when I don't, mm. you know? Um so I now have a system, by the way, to avoid that. Like I go through a, a little checklist before, at the beginning of every single hand, so I always know what the actual game we're playing is. Uh, but just giving yourself a chance to really make sure you know what you have in these new games, sometimes that can be tricky too. Good. That's very good. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Okay. This is from Ruthino. Ruthino, getting a croissant. Getting a croissant right now. Clicking on the croissant there. What are the most important things to consider when you plan your first trip to Vegas for the series? Would you also give your opinion about a planned schedule? So what, what are a couple things to consider for All right. your first trip I, to the series? I'll go first this time, yeah. I guess. Uh, okay. First of all, um, just even how you're going to manage your money, like how much you're bringing, how you're going to bring it, where you're going to put it, how you're going to store it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I know Ruthino is from Europe, so mm-hmm. I, like, I don't really know how airport security is there and stuff. Yeah. In the U.S., I haven't really had problems bringing like no. 20, 20K through the airport no and, problems. and stuff like that. 
You should be able to get cash in Vegas anyway. It shouldn't be that hard once you're there. I mean, if you're from Europe, maybe, maybe it's tougher. Yeah, you're going to have to ask the European community about that. We're not going to have great info if you're from Europe. But, you yeah. know, more generally, um, that's, it's very important just to, as Jonathan said, get your cash in line. You know, make sure you have it all ready to go. Yeah. Because you don't want any hiccups if you have an event that you want to play. I mean, the, the thing that really comes to mind for me past that is... These are just tournaments, you know. They're just a, it's just another poker tournament. I know it doesn't feel like that. I understand it's there's a lot of buildup. It's it's all branding, man. These are just tournaments, so you don't have to treat the first hand like it's special or the first feel like you're nervous. I understand you probably will be a little nervous, but like try and remind yourself that these are just normal people playing poker in a tournament. They're just as bad as you know normal people are, and it's just another one of those things. You just Everyone paid a little more to play, and first place is a lot bigger, but that's way, way, way miles away also. Yes, I agree with that. That's, that's important to not be intimidated by these you know, cultural factors. Yeah. Um, what, what about the opinion about a planned schedule? I have some thoughts on this. Why don't you go ahead? All right, so I don't know how long you're going to be there for, um, but you know, Jonathan and I have been there for six weeks at a time in the past, uh, and I've never had a planned schedule. I know Jonathan hasn't either, no. and I prefer to do it that way. There are, are events that I'm definitely like I'm not going to miss that event if I'm here, right? Like like the Monster Stack and the Millionaire Maker. I'm not missing those events. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of a planned schedule, but not really. I mean, wouldn't you have a planned schedule though if you? we're willing to put the time into it. You just like, we just figured out when we're there. Like, well, what's, what tournaments are going tomorrow? What do we want to play? You know, that's usually what we end up doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by the level of planning. Cause I do some planning. Like I'm looking at the week ahead. I'm like, okay, if I play this tournament, does that mean that if I day two, I can't play this other tournament right. that I want to play? You have to look at stuff like that, but I mostly do it on the fly. I like look at a week ahead and see what's coming up and, yeah. you know, plan based on that. That's cause you're going for so long though. Like if you're only going for five days, yeah. I think you probably should have a planned schedule. You know, you should know what you're doing each day. And like, it could be like, well, I'm not doing that if I make day two, but if I don't, then I'm going to do this thing. You With know? the caveat, I would say that you should not play if you don't want to. Of course. Right? Never. Like if you're like, I planned on playing this 1500 on Thursday, but like I just got completely bad beated out of a 2500 today and I really don't feel up to it. Yeah. You don't have to play. Absolutely. You, know? you never have to play. You, you answer to no one with right. these things and no one actually cares if you play or Unless not. Unless you're backed then maybe that's a different thing. Depends maybe, but you know, they, they probably don't want you to play if your head is in the game anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. I would guess. Yeah, I mean, as people who have backed people in the past, Jonathan and I have, we didn't really care if those people played the things that they had said they no might way. play as long as they told us the truth about what they were playing and how they were doing. We just wanted them to be in juicy tournaments. That's all yeah. we ever cared about, right? Yeah. Like spots where we thought they were plus EV. That's all we... That's And if, and it would have been fine with me. if the, I'm thinking of one guy who we backed the entire summer that one time. Um if he had played in half the tournaments or even a, even a tenth of the tournaments, you know, so, okay, you know, I, I put less money in, fine, you know? Yeah. Like, I just want him to be at his best when he's playing, whatever that means. Right. If it's one tournament, if it's 50 tournaments. Yep. Um, he also asked if we're going to do a meet and greet at the WSOP Main 24. No, probably not. It seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, you know, if we ever are at the World Series for a, a longer period of time and we organize ourselves to such an extent that we feel like it would be a good idea to, to let all the poker guys people know, then we'll do that. But yeah. there's nothing planned at the moment. Yeah. Boink has a question that is kind of piggybacking off of Ruthinos. Oh, okay. But you had, you had something to add? No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, he'd also be interested in our thoughts on how profitable it is to play the World Series of Poker when taking stuff like travel rake into account. Yeah. Uh, ideally, an answer to the question, what is the travel rake threshold at which it becomes no longer profitable? Well, 
you're going to have to make an individual subjective assessment of your expected value in order to do this calculation, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's part of it for yeah. sure. And then also, really, think, I mean, the travel is going to be different for everyone, right? But I guess if we think of it as a percentage, we can start to come up with something, I guess, right? Yeah, I don't know if we're going to have hard numbers that are good, but I think some, some just... Uh, Central tenants to keep in mind. Uh, the longer the trip is, the more profitable it is yes. on average. Right. You know, you, cause, yeah, because a yeah. lot of the travel expenses is the getting there, right? right. Not the staying. Any there. one-time cost, it, yeah. like the one-time cost of the Airbnb cleaning fee is significantly different on a daily basis if you stay for six weeks versus you stay for four days. And the, the cost per day of the flights is significantly exactly. different if you stay six weeks versus four days. So much better to stay longer and from the flight point of view. If you're renting a car, now, people don't rent cars as much as they used to with Uber and all that, and that's fine. But if you're renting a car... Which we do. Um, longer is usually better, too, in terms of, like, the, the stuff starts off the first week because there's all these extra expenses and taxes and things like right, that. Right, all the one-time costs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, you get to avoid that. Well, you don't avoid it, but you get to stretch those out, and you're paying less per day. That's good. But it all comes back to, as Grant was saying, what is your actual EV in these spots, right? I think, for the most part, people who fly out for the weekend... Or even for a week, you know, to play in these things probably are minus EV, even if they're good players, because the, you can't overcome the travel. Right. Like. But if you're playing tournaments to try to, like, only do things that are plus EV in a vacuum all the time, you're not going to have as many shots as you should overall. So it's okay to do a minus EV thing every once in a while like that to play big events that you wouldn't normally play to give yourself a shot at a huge bankroll builder. If you want that. Yeah, if you're yeah. looking for that, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a case we made that only ever doing plus EV things is probably a pretty good move, you know? Like I, not, not taking on the negative EV thing. Like, because you don't play the lottery, right? But that's a similar thing, right? Like, it's negative EV, but... Right, you know, but it's win, like it's a, pretty good. But, you know, uh, it's a differently asymmetric bet to play a $500 local tournament with 400 players than to play the monster stack, right? Yes, for uh, sure. So if you want an asymmetric bet that you can actually win, unlike the lottery... Like, mm. oh, that, that's what I'm saying. Okay, but not everyone can actually win the monster stuff. Okay, but if you can. Right, okay. I don't know if Boink can or not. I don't know anything about how Boink plays poker. Um, so, yeah, I think I would also say, even in a six-week trip, uh, and I've said this for years, that if you're a good player, say you're me and Jonathan, we're, we're plus EV in the World Series of Poker for tournament sure. fields, for sure. Our expected value is positive. Uh, if we... Let's forget all the travel rake stuff and everything, but this is just a mindset thing. Our expected value is positive. Our average outcome is positive based on what is likely to happen, but our median outcome is negative if yeah. we're talking about tournaments only, mm -hmm. which means the, for the majority of trips are going to be negative, but the positive trips can be so positive that it makes up for it as far as average is concerned. I also, um, not as much recently as in the old days, but when I would go, I've been going up to the World Series since like 2006, you know, and I've had a few, I've only missed a few years in there. I guess COVID, since COVID I've missed. But previous to that, I think I missed one year. Um, and I would usually go out for a long time, like a month or longer. And I played a lot of cash as well. So I think I, I think I maybe literally have always had profitable World Series, but usually barely profitable. Because like, I like do okay in tournaments or not great and whatever. And then like, Win it back in cash, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you don't play that many tournaments even over a 10-year span. Like, because I'm, I'm not playing tournaments every day, and I'm not playing a full schedule. I'm playing a lot of cash, or I was anyway. Right, yeah. For me, I was always playing mostly tournaments, right. and I would play more cash if I went now because I've, I've played more cash recently than I had been when I was going for six weeks. But I, also, when I'm at the World Series, for all, the reason I'm there is for the tournaments. Yeah, and fair enough. I don't really want to play 
tournaments all day and then cash once I bust. No, like, I'm no. not interested in that. So it's no, hard. I, I used to really just go and play like the a few of the bigger tournaments, meaning like bigger, but meaning like the Millionaire Maker and the Monster Stack and stuff like that. The 888, whatever, like the Weekend Warrior type tournaments. Yeah. Those were the softest fields with the really big prizes in the end and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then in the middle of the week, I would sometimes play tournaments, but a lot of times I wouldn't. A lot of times I just play cash or. This is no longer a possibility, but I play all the sit and goes at the Rio, which were unbelievable and dead. Good way to make money and fun and fast and all the things. They're dead. Yeah, but they no longer exist. They've killed them. It's very sad. All right, one more question. Last question. Skjolder comes in once again. Wow, okay. He double dipped. Congratulations. Uh, Actually, he's got two. Let's stick with one of them. Yeah. We'll save the other one for later. Solver analysis in a vacuum can be useful at any stakes of play. What level of live play do you believe it becomes important to a player's win rate to begin applying solvery concepts like decision randomization? And why is that level so different from online play? Focus on cash as opposed to tournaments. Um, okay. Well, first of all, I think probably solvery stuff starts to really become important maybe at 510. Yeah, like, depending, depending on the table. Yeah, it does depend. I mean, because you're going to... Maybe it's almost, almost never important at 1-2. Oh, my God. It's going to have to be the unluckiest table in the world. You just get up and leave. Just I've, move. I've been at some 5-5 five, five tables in Portland where it would have. It, it's like sometimes would be useful to do more solvery applicable things. Like randomizing your decisions? You need to do that against those players? No, I haven't actually done it and yeah. needed to, but I've been at some tables where it's like, oh, this is a fucking oh, tough oh, table. Oh, sure. No, no. Yeah. There, there can be five, because that's usually the biggest yeah, public yeah. table in Portland. So sometimes you're going to get a bunch of good players there. Right. right? It's, it's right. interesting. It's kind of like, you know, goldfish grow to the size of their pond. So if the biggest game in town, which is in Portland, is typically 5-5 five, five with a 2K max buy, if that's the biggest game in town, that game is going to be a lot harder than 5-5 five, five in Vegas. Oh, yeah. And yeah. probably most 5-10s even in Vegas yeah. would be my guess. Um, I think like a, a tough 5-10 game, though, is where we're starting to see like the solvery concepts really have real value, and you might be using them more than just a tiny bit. Right. Um, and, and once you get past that, like you're always going to have bad players, too, but you should have, the good players should be really good. And now coming to the second question, why is the online component, why are people better? I think it's because... RTAs. Well, it's RTA, but it's not just that. It's also you do all the hand history stuff. You know, you can pull all your hand history and run it all through and actually find out what you were supposed to do in that yeah. exact spot and apply it better and see your leaks. And, th- and so someone who's got that software is going to be using it, right? Yeah. And so you can't use that software live, but you can use it constantly online. And when I used to play online, which I did a lot back in the day, um, I would have, you know, this is when it was perfectly fine to do this kind of stuff, but I would have, you know, like the heads up display. So I had everyone's preflop raising percentage and their, you know, showdown percentage and all that kind of stuff. That was really helpful. You know, what their continuation on the, you know, how many times do they get to the turn? How often do they raise the turn? Like if someone never raised the turn and they raise you, you're like, oh, they have it. You know, it's easy, right? Yeah. So, and I could, I would 11 table and be able to do that because those numbers were so useful for me. Which right? is just another reason that online is stupid as hell. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so, so like you get in that mindset and then, yeah, of course you, you lean into that because you start to see how helpful it is. Like stuff like hold a manager, even back in the day would be like, put all your hands in. We'll tell you what your leaks are. We'll tell you what your, you know, your VPIP should be in each of these spots and how far off you are. And then you're like, oh geez, I'm supposed to be playing 5% more hands. I better find 5% more hands to put into my, my range here, you know, stuff like that. Like it'll just tell you that. So I mean, and that concept kind of underlines why online is more difficult. It's because it's less casual. It's it's like a less casual player right. pool on average, I would say. It's less casual for sure. I mean, live poker is social. Like people yeah. go to live poker 
not all just to win, right? They do no. uh, they're doing other things there too. And obviously that's a little bit true with online, but much less so. Much less. Like, dude, I mean, so I used to play Limit Hold'em all the time, right? I played Limit Hold'em online and live. I think the biggest stakes I ever played online were, I played 1020, but I play a lot of tables at 1020, but 1020, right? On I mean, live, I played, what, 4080, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and the 1020 tables were, I would say the shorthanded 1020 tables were tougher for sure than the 4080 game at Bellagio, for sure. Probably the live games were, or the full ring games were similar. But like, you know, like yeah. that's four times the stakes, right? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's that. We're done. Great. First time, no rehearsal. I say fuck the second take. Not his baby scratching the vinyls until the record breaks. Mr. One Night is all I need. No second dates. I'm the rapper most likely to make it tight.